Hey, how's it going? This is Evan Jackson, video production director of New Life Church. Thank you so much for joining us for our podcast today. It's our goal to help you grow in your faith and discover all that God has for you. I hope you're encouraged, challenged, and inspired today. Enjoy the message. I'm going to start the message right here and right now uh, because I have some elements I want to show you. Um, Today's message is entitled this, The Futurist. The Futurist. Okay. First uh, and Second Thessalonians deal a lot with the end times, and we're just going to scratch the surface today. Today in in First Thessalonians, and then in Second Thessalonians, Paul really gets into it. So that'll be in weeks to come. Okay, but the big idea for today is this: in light of the return of Christ, believers should have a different set of priorities and way of life. Okay, read that. Read that quietly to yourself as I read it out loud. Ready? In light of the return of Christ, which is coming, believers should have a different set of priorities and way of life. You see, people have been trying to predict the future forever. So I want to show you a video real quick um, of a a gentleman who was, back in 1922, was asked to write uh, an article about what he thought the world would look like today. The people of the year 2022 will probably never see a wire outlined against the sky. It is practically certain that wireless telegraphy and wireless telephones will have crushed the cable system long before the century is done. Coal will not be exhausted, but our reserves will be seriously depleted, and so will those of oil. One of the world dangers a century hence will be a shortage of fuel but it is likely by that time that we will use power from tides, from the sun, probably from radium and other forms of radial energy, while it may also be that atomic energy is harnessed. The movies will be more attractive, as long before 2022 they will have been replaced by the kinephone, which now exists only in the laboratory. That is, the figures on the screen will not only move, but they will have their natural colours, and speak with ordinary voices. Thus, the stage as we know it today may entirely disappear, which does not mean the doom of art, since the movie actress of 2022 will not only need to know how to smile, but also how to talk. I believe that most of the cleaning required today in a house will have been done away with, In the first place, through the disappearance of coal, in all places where electricity is not made, there will be no smoke, perhaps not even that of tobacco. The family would still exist, even though it is not doing very well today. It is inconceivable that some sort of feeling between parents and children should not persist. I imagine that the link will be thinner than it is today, because the child is likely to be taken over by the state, not only schooled, but fed and clad and at the end of its training, placed in a post suitable to its abilities. This may be affected by birth control, which in 2022 will be legal all over the world. Largely, the condition of the family will be governed by the position of woman, because woman is the family, while man is merely its supporter. It is practically certain that in 2022, nearly all women will have discarded the idea that they are primarily makers of men. Most fit women will then be following an individual career. Positions will be open to them, and a great many women will have risen high, 
the year 2022, we'll probably see a large number of women in Congress, a great many on the judicial bench, many in civil service posts, and perhaps some in the President's cabinet. It does not follow that, scientifically, the year 2022 should fail to be amazing. I suspect that commercial flying will have become entirely commonplace. The passenger steamer will survive on the coasts, but it will have disappeared on the main routes and will have been replaced by a flying convoys, which should cover the distance between London and New York in about 12 hours. As regards the politics of 2022, I should expect the form of the state to be much the same. A few rearrangements may have taken place on the lines of self-determination. For instance, Austria may have united with Germany. The South American republics may have federated. But I do not believe there will be a superstate. There will still be republics and monarchies, possibly. In 2022, the Spanish, Italian, Dutch, and Norwegian kings may have fallen, but for a variety of reasons, either lack of advancement or something else, we may expect still kings in Sweden, Yugoslavia, Greece, Romania, and Great Britain. There will still be war. The wars of that period may be a little less frequent than they are today, and may be limited by arrangement, but it will still be there. I suspect that these wars to come will be made beyond my conception by new poisons, inextinguishable flames, and smoke clouds. War may ultimately disappear, but this lies beyond the limits of this article, and even beyond those of the mind. Well, I got some right. I don't think he ever predicted that not only would women be different, but we wouldn't even be able to define it anymore. Um... Well, it is a woman. Um, but I thought it was interesting. People have been doing this for a long time, trying to predict stuff. Trying to predict stuff. And it's interesting that this is part of what we have in First Thessalonians. It's this, this talking about what's going to come in the future. Okay, so I want to talk about it a little bit. We have, as humans, like to uh, predict the future. In the same way we can look at Scripture as a kind of cipher or guide to attempt to predict world events in the time of Jesus' return. Some people do this. They like to take the numbers and use the Scriptures as a cipher and things like that. I mean, I looked up current books that are available right now on Amazon, and here's some of the titles, and I just thought some of them were kind of funny. Some of them are good. Some of them are kind of funny. But Daniel's Prophecies Unsealed. Understanding the times of the end, and I love the imagery, you've got to see this, the, the, the United Nations and the Statue of Revelation, I think that's just a very funny, funny, funny uh, book title. Um, next one, Antichrist Unmasked, <laughs> sounds like Jerry Springer. Apocalypse 2027, scriptural case for the global Antichrist. Another, signs in the second coming, 11 reasons Jesus will return in our lifetime. And Anytime somebody starts predicting, I mean, it may happen, but anybody, time somebody starts putting dates on stuff, be careful. We'll talk about that today. Two, of the, two books by a, a guy I really like, Dr. David Jeremiah, said this. After the, his, his book is After the Rapture, and I thought this title was funny, The End Times Guide to Survival. I feel like, I feel like bunkers and like stable food or something like that. And this book I've actually uh, been reading in preparation for this study, uh, The World of the End, How Jesus' Prophecies Shapes Our Priorities. 
And I'm going to reference that book a couple times today because I love the angle on this. It's why did Jesus give us these things? It's not for us to change or add or take away from it. It's for us to, to live a certain way. Why would he give us this information? Because he wants us to live our lives a certain way. So that's why, um, but there's, I mean, this is just a tip of the iceberg, folks. There are so many books, and there are so many online teachers, and I would say, be careful. There's a lot of garbage out there. I would say be very, very closely tied to this, and let this be your guide, um, because one of the prophecies we'll study later on in this series is that in the time of the end, there will be many false teachers. And they're going to be so good at teaching this falsehood that they would even deceive the elect if it were possible. I can only think of one item that really checks the box on that one, and it's called YouTube. Hey, think about it. Okay. Open your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And we're going to read 1 through 11 to start this talk today. And Paul gets into it. He kind of scratches the surface of it. And he tends to kind of make a statement here. He's like, you guys know what I'm talking about? There's an assumption made here that Paul has already downloaded this information to this, this group of people from Thessalonica. And I find it interesting that, uh, remember we talked last week how he just loves the Thessalonians? He just, he's, got, he's got this, like, affection for them because they're just so good at doing this thing that he laid out, living out the gospel. So I, I think uh, Thessalonians, first and second, are Paul being able to go a little bit further with a people who are a little bit more mature in the faith than other churches he had to write to. Because a lot of the churches he had to write to, it was like, guys, guys, really? We're still talking about this stuff? We're still, we're still dealing with these things that we, sh- I mean, we, we talked about this a while ago, guys. You should be eating steak and you're still drinking milk. Well, I feel like the Thessalonian church may be ready for some steak. And that's why he had an opportunity to talk to them. So here's what he brings out. He says this, About the times and the seasons, brothers and sisters, you do not need anything to be written to you. You don't need to know anything more about this. I already talked to you about this stuff. For you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. When they say peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them like labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. Let's stop there for a sec. And they will not escape, okay? Now, in that book, The World of the End by Dr. David uh, Jeremiah, he says this. Our world is in bad shape. Now, this book, this book was written in 2022. It's a very fresh book, and it's so interesting. He even, he even, uh, he even references the Ukraine and, and, and uh, Russian war. But current events move fast. He does not know on the writing of this book about what's going on in Israel right now. But I'm sure he would not be surprised. So here we go. Our world is in bad shape. And sometimes we feel that, uh, the way, that way too, don't we? In our better moments, we know we're 
encompassed by God's blessing, yet we seem to struggle mightily with anxiety, fear, resentment, and discouragement. The chaos of the world seeps into our hearts. Fear can erode faith if we let it. But when we begin to grasp the scriptures concerning the end times, our plans and priorities will change. Our vision will shift from the immediate to the ultimate. We'll see today's headlines in the light of hallelujahs of his return. We'll think better thoughts. We will feel healthier emotions, respond with better reactions, and do better things. So these are important scriptures for us to understand. It's going to come like a thief at night. Where is that coming from? I want to reference back to Matthew. Would you turn with me? Keep your thumb in 1 Thessalonians uh, or, or your bookmark, but turn over to Matthew chapter 24. This is Jesus' uh, second longest sermon that is recorded in Scripture. The Sermon on the Mount would be the, 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 long, the longest, and that was a public, outward-facing sermon. This particular sermon is given to four people, his own disciples. And why is this? I think it's the same reason why Paul can talk to the Thessalonian church the same way. There takes a level of maturity, spiritual understanding, to be able to grasp the why behind the disclosure of these events. Why, am I t- why is Jesus telling them? If we're not mature enough, we start to try to predict. We start to try to prep. We start to do all these types of things. But a mature person says, no, in light of these things, I need to live a certain way. Okay? So let's look at it. Matthew chapter 24, starting in verse 1. And Jesus left and was going out from the temple. Now this is the same day, or the same, I'm not sure if it's the same day, same time that he cleared the money changers out of the temple. Okay? This is, in the, this is in the last week of his life. Okay? He's already come in as the, uh, the, the conqueror on the, 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 the colt. Right? And he's come in, and Hosanna, the Palm Sunday stuff's happened. Now we have the clearing of the temple, <clears throat> and they're in the temple a lot during this period of time. Jesus is teaching. Not only is he teaching, he's rebuking severely the religious leaders who have let the, the, the temple area be turned into something it was never meant to be. Okay? So this is what, so they're leaving, they're going back out of the, through the Kindred Valley up to the top of the Mount of Olives. He says, disciples came up to him and called his attention to the buildings. He replied to them, do you see these things? Talking about the temple. Surely t- I tell you, not one stone will be left here on another that will not be thrown down. And he just keeps walking. He just keeps, the disciples are like, why do I know this? Because they, they don't ask him a question until they get to the top of the Mount of Olives. They're like, what? I can totally picture myself. I'm walking with you. Hey, Jesus, look at these. All these I mean, I just went to Egypt a little while ago. And we were, Lisa and I were marveling at the structures there. We're like, Jesus, look at these things. These are beautiful. Isn't it gorgeous? Yeah, you know what? <clears throat> Not one stone's going to be left on another. And they just kind of follow behind him, like thinking, scratching their heads. And then we get to verse 3. While he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples approached him privately and said, tell us when these things happen. And what is the sign of your coming 
and of the end of the age. Jesus replied to them, watch out that no one deceive you. There's that deception thing again, okay? For many will come in my name saying, I am the Messiah, and they will deceive many. You're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed. I love that statement. You're going to hear about wars and rumors of wars. Don't be surprised. Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. Because these things must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these events are the beginning of labor pains. Are the beginning of labor pains. Okay? There are two items of Jesus' words about the end of the age that I want to focus on. First is this seemingly impossible prediction about the temple. Let me give you some stats. Herod the Great started renovating this smaller, the smaller temple before Jesus was even born. Now, there was three temple periods. There was the, uh, Solomon's temple. Then there was a temple after they came out of Babylon. It was a smaller temple. Many people thought it was uh, kind of a depressing temple because of the, they remembered what it used to be like before it was destroyed. So um, Herod comes along, and he starts building the new temple. Now, this new temple uh, period started before the birth of Christ. Okay? Herod created one of the wonders of the ancient world. The reconstruction process had been going on for more than 40 years by the point, by the point of this talk, okay, and wouldn't be completed till A.D. 64. So another 30-ish years after Jesus' resurrection, the temple was still being built. Okay? Jesus was gazing across the valley at a magnificent structure built of stones weighing many tons some of them 25 feet long and 12 feet high. These are big. Okay. Herod employed 10,000 skilled workmen along with 1,000 priests, all acquainted with fine work in wood and stone. Herod doubled the original area of the Temple Mount by constructing huge supporting walls and leveling the terrain. It was one of the most expensive Majestic and important buildings in the world. This renewed temple complex became a source of pride for Jews the world over, including the disciples that were talking to Jesus that day. One uh, historian said, if you haven't seen the temple in Jerusalem, you haven't seen a beautiful building. Like this, it, 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 out, it surpasses all other beautiful buildings. Now listen to this. Less than 40 years after Jesus' prophecy in AD 70, the temple was completely gone. Gone! 40 years after he said these words, not one stone will be left upon another. The temple was raised to the ground. Think about how depressing this is. The, the construction didn't stop on the temple until A.D. 64. And it was gone in A.D. 70. Oh, that's crazy. That's crazy. If something like that can come true down to the last detail, 
then we can be confident that whatever the Word of God says about the end of the age will be and is possible. That's the whole point of this prophecy. It's like, this was, this was impossible. This was an impossible thing. No one, nobody would have thought this was possible. But it happened just like Jesus said it would. So everything else Scripture talks about when it comes to the end times is, is possible and will come to pass. Okay? It's so interesting that when the Romans destroyed the temple, they burned it. They burned the inside. They just destroyed it. And what happened was that, and, and this is to fulfill Jesus' prophecy, that the gold that overlaid everything in the temple melted into the cracks and crevices of the, the foundation stones. So in order to get all that gold out, the Romans literally took out every stone and, and dissected them to the, and, and then mined them, completely mined them to get all of the gold out of the cracks and crevices. That's how it was leveled completely. The only thing that's left now is, <clears throat> is the foundation stones, <clears throat> the wall, the west wall. Okay? So this is an amazing thing. I want you to just, the reason I tell you this is I want you to, to think about in the next few weeks as we talk about the, the first and second Thessalonians and the prophecies about the end times, it's something that you can rely on. And if you can rely on something in the future, it should change the way you live now. You don't have to be afraid of what's going on in the world. We spend too much time looking laterally at what's going on in the world and being afraid when all we need to be doing is looking vertically at the one who's conquered every problem. And I'm talking to myself. John, uh, Jack and I were talking the other day. We, we, we like to watch some of the news that's on. But we both agreed we have to like watch a little bit and then take like two days off. Because it's just too much. 24-hour news is a poison of our culture. Did you know that? We got it. We, got it. we, have, we, we didn't have to use to regulate that. But we do now. We have to regulate our, our own ability to deal with that. Now, I want to, the second thing I want to talk about in Jesus' comments in Matthew, and we'll get back to Thessalonians, I promise, is this concept of labor pains. Okay? Ladies, I'm going to tell you about... <laughs> Let me mansplain this to you. All right. I'm talking to the fellas, okay? Um, both 1 Thessalonians... In Matthew 24, the word odin is used in reference to the future events. The word odin. And that word is translated to labor pains. It's this process that we should be aware of. Now, um, women, you know this far better than we do, but we can see the signs as well. You did this to me. No, we, we, you know, we can see the signs. When our hand is crumpled, oh, you know, we can see the signs, right? We know, all right? So labor pains are not something that comes on at the point of birth. You don't like, you're not pregnant, and then, ah, that's not how it happens, okay? It's a gradual thing. It's a gradual thing, that's the, and that's the point. That's the point. It doesn't happen all at once, <laughs> Though you might wish that. That's not how it happens. So the contractions of the uterus that start out mildly and far apart. Then as time draws near for the baby to be born, 
They intensify and become progressively more frequent. That's the point. That's why the authors use this word. Because at, at the beginning, it's going to be, you know, mild and far apart. But as things start to get down to the moment where Christ is going to come back, it's going to get more frequent and more intense. Okay? This is what Paul and Jesus are referring to when it comes to the signs of the end. The evil that is common, I want to use that word common, evil that is common among fallen men, wars, rumors of war, will become more frequent and intensify. Let me read you out of an article from the American Historical Association. It says that the 20th century has witnessed more than mass killing than any other previous century. It is estimated, listen, this is crazy. It is estimated that about 107 million persons were systematically and cruelly killed by actions of governments in the last century. That's insane. To me, that feels like frequency and intensification. That's a lot of people. Now, there's other estimates out there. Some of them are higher. Some of them are a little lower. But this is a pretty good middle ground uh, estimate. That's crazy. The 20th century was the bloodiest, most destructive century in human history. We, we, didn't we progress? We're so much smarter. We, we've evolved. No. We've just figured out bigger and better ways to do what we've always done. The common tendencies of fallen man are just intensified, and it's more frequent. All right? The centuries, uh, the uh, centuries, two world, in that century, two world wars resulted in the deaths of at least 60 million, just in those two world wars. It's crazy. So this is what, I, this is what Jesus is referring to, and this is also what Paul is referring to when he says, that these things are going to happen, and they're going to become more frequent, and they're going to become more intense. Okay? So, so he's, supposed, he's telling you this so that you can get really scared. So that you, your fear can be just, uh, he's like, no. What do you think? Come on now. This is common. This is what people do. They've been doing it since the fall. I mean, the first set of brothers murdered. There's a first war. We're brothers. We've been doing this forever. It's just going to get more frequent and much more intense. So back to uh, Thessalonians, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, starting uh, back in number 4. But you, brothers and sisters, talking to you, brothers and sisters, but you, brothers and sisters, are not in the dark. This is why he is telling us this. I don't want you to be in the dark. He's already told them about this. You're not in the dark. You're not in the dark about this stuff. For this day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or the darkness. So then, Jesus, uh, so then let us not sleep like the rest, but let us stay awake and be self-controlled. I'm telling you this, Paul is saying, because I don't want you to be in the dark. You know, like when the thief in the night comes, 
you shouldn't be surprised about this because you're children of the light. So you should live in a certain way. You should live with self-control. Verse 7, for those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be, what? Self-controlled and put on the armor of faith and love and a helmet of the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up as you already are doing. It's like, I'm telling you this stuff so you can encourage one another. These things are going to happen. But you're, you're heaven-bound. You've been redeemed. Don't walk as people who, are, who have no hope. Don't walk in fear. Don't walk in anxiety. Walk in assurance that God has taken care of you. He always has and he always will. When you see these things happening, which is very uh, potent for our, t- our current time, when you, people are talking about World War III. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to let you in on a little secret. Inflammatory headlines sell news. They do. I'm not saying there won't be World War III. There's going to be World War III at some point. But I'm saying, like, you read that and you go, oh, no. Don't, don't live as people who are walking around constantly afraid and fearful because man is doing what man does. You are children of the light. Live like it. Some people take preparing to an extreme. Anybody ever watch National Geographic's uh, Doomsday Preppers? Oh, you haven't lived. I was watching in preparation for this video about an episode about a guy who turned his SUV into like a tank. And his reasoning was, at the end, people are going to want my stuff. And I'm going to have to get to here, from here to my spider hole. So he has some bunker. He wouldn't, he wouldn't disclose where, because that would be. He's got some kind of bunker up in the mountains. He's like, but i got to get from here to there with all my stuff without them taking it and killing me. So I got to. He built a tank. <clears throat> it was like watching the old A-Team show. You know? Wasn't it weird how the, you remember, anybody remember the A-Team? Come on, come on. Kids are like, what the? A-Team, wasn't it weird how the villains always locked them in a barn with all the things that they would need to break out? To build something amazing. I mean, what barn has flamethrowers in it? There was always some kind of flamethrower or tactic. They just didn't learn. Every every episode. And did you realize that in the 18, I don't know why I'm talking about this, but did you realize that nobody died in the 18? They spent more ammo in that show than any other show previous, and nobody died. In fact, there was a rule that if you showed a, 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 a vehicle flip over, which happened every episode, you had to pan and show the guys crawling out, just in case somebody might think they may have died. Things have changed. I'm telling you that way. But this show was like that. This guy turned his SUV 
into like this tank. All right? An armored car might or might not be helpful in, the, in Armageddon, in a meltdown. But Paul mentions armor that is sure to be helpful. The spiritual armor of salvation. Okay? He talks about this. He says, um, put on the armor of God. This is the kind of, what is armor of God? Armor of faith and love. Put on that armor. Wait, how is that even armor? Well, here's one thing. If we have faith that God's got this thing squared, then we can have love because we don't have to worry about people taking our stuff. God's got this thing. I mean, instead of building a tank, maybe we should build a relationship. Faith and love. All right? A helmet of the hope of salvation. Why a helmet? Covers your mind. It covers your mind. The hope of salvation. We don't talk like this enough. Christ is coming back. The, 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 as sure as the prophecy of the temple being torn down to nothing, Christ says he's coming back. Paul reiterates it in multiple places. Revelation by John talks about it. Christ is coming back. We don't know the day or the hour. That's not our business. We shouldn't be sidetracked with that. Our business is to live a life of faith, love, under the, under the protection of hope of salvation. Free your mind from all these anxieties and live in hope. Live in hope. All right? Romans 13, 11 says this. Since you know the times, it is already the hour for you to wake up from sleep because now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. And that is so true today. It's nearer than when we first believed. The night is nearly over and the day is near. So let us discard the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Don't get bogged down in with people who get bogged down with who have no hope. Live as people of light. Dr. David Jeremiah went on in his book to say this, we don't need to mope about our politicians or our global problems. We don't even have to settle for uh, coping with the times. We have a hope as sure as the sunshine as enduring as Scripture, and as glorious as the almighty throne of heaven. God, let us in on his plans for the future so we can establish our plans for today. He let us in on the plans for the future so we can establish our plans for today. His promises uh, should shape our priorities and sustain our spirits. I love this part, right? He says this. Christians are not Normal people. We're a little weird. Craig Rochelle wrote a book called Weird. And it's, yeah, we're a little weird. We're not, we are not normal people. Christians are extraordinary people. Living with supernatural power in a downward spiraling world. We are on a mission to help others and to spread the gospel hope 
there is a glorious work for you to do today. Today! There's a glory. If we know the end is coming, how, are we, how ought we to live? You know the Tim McGraw song, Live Like You're Dying? Right? I mean, that, that song is, 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 pretty, is pretty cool. I'm going to read you some of the text from that. It's about his, one of his friends who was diagnosed with cancer. And he said this, I asked him, this is part of the song, when it sank in, that this might really be the real end. How's it hit you when you get that kind of news? Man, what'd you do? I went skydiving. Rocky Mountain climbing. I went 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu. I love that line. That's a great line. Now, this is the part that, that hits home. And I loved deeper. And I spoke sweeter. And I gave forgiveness I'd been denying. And he said, someday I hope you get the chance to live like you were dying. Like tomorrow was a gift, and you've got eternity to think about. What would you do with it? What could you do with it? What did I do with it? What would I do with it? That's pretty poignant. If tomorrow is not assured because Christ is coming back, that's not a negative thing. How ought we to live today? I'm not really recommending skydiving, but if that's your thing, go for it. But I am saying, maybe we should love deeper, speak sweeter, give forgiveness that we've been denying. Think about that. The most important preparation for Jesus' return is to be in right relationship with him through salvation. When we do that, we can extend the grace to those around us. Rather than being caught up in predicting the, his return, those of us who are in Christ have a mandate to live as children of the light, to live each day as if it's our last on earth, and to proclaim the hope of the gospel to the world. We do not know the day or the hour of Christ's return but we want to be ready when he does come back. Let me ask you a few questions in closing here. If Christ were to come back today and you had to stand before the crucified creator of the universe, would you be in right relationship with him? Would you be in right relationship with him? Today is the day of salvation because the labor pains are progressing and intensifying. Repent. Turn from your sins and accept Jesus as your Savior and Lord. Don't wait to tomorrow because tomorrow might not be there. Look around you. The great Evangelists of old talked a lot more about this than we do. Think about it. If you were to meet God today, how would that go? Today is a day of salvation, not tomorrow. The only thing you, only thing you can rely on is this moment. 
And I'm not saying you're going to go out here and get hit by a bus, though you might. But I am saying things are intensifying. And, the, and Christ's return could be at any moment. Things are in place, folks, like they never have been before. Today is a day of salvation. Hope and peace comes with knowing that no matter what the world throws at us, we are secure in the Savior's future for us. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads today because I want to make an, I want to make an invitation today. Because today is a day of salvation, period. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you're saying today that if I were to meet my Lord and Savior today, it would not go well for me. I've been relying on my deeds and my behavior, or I have been just shooting from the hip. I want to be assured today that my future is eternity with Christ. If that's you today, I want you to just raise your hand. We pray with you. You can use this as a template for your prayer. God, I thank you for sending your son to this world. God, I pray right now, Lord, that you would forgive me of my many sins, my rebellion, my pride. I accept the free gift of salvation through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And I don't want you just to be my Savior. I'm receiving you today as my Lord. Guide me in your peace. Guide me in your hope. Guide me in your salvation until the day you come back and I meet you face to face. Thank you, God, for this salvation that is assured to those who are in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you enjoyed our podcast today. To find out more about New Life Church or to plan a visit, go to our website at discovernewlife.org.